In this video, I'm gonna go over ROI. What is it? Return on investment. What does it mean for your company or your marketing efforts? How to analyze it? What are my top tips to try to generate it? And how to make sure that you are acting upon all of this information so that you can hopefully grow your business with a continuous ROI. So let's get into it. Hey everyone, I'm John Timmerman, founder and CEO of Good Monster and chairman of Good Brands and Management, and here to talk to you about ROI. So it's something that every business pays attention to, return on investment. Obviously, it's the way that businesses stay in business and grow. If you put money into something, you want to get multiples of that money back. Whether you're an investor, a CEO, a business, a founder, it doesn't matter. ROI is something that you need to have if you expect to grow your business. So that's the discussion we're going to have today's video. But before I get into that, I want to tell you a story. This is a common theme that many of you out there are faced with or have come across in corporate life. And the story starts with a Fortune 500 public company that has tasked one of their teams or their, their subsidiaries with building an online platform that will grow uh, within five years to $10 million in revenue. And the expectation of the leader of that subsidiary is that the, uh, the, the spend in relation to that $10 million is five times less, right? So there's going to be a five times ROI or a 5,000, I'm sorry, 500% ROI achieved um, with the investment that's made. So the, the result is the $10 million, and that means that the investment needs to be $2 million. Now, the, this leader sort of, they were, they're a numbers person. Uh, by the way, this was a personal experience of mine, but, but a common one that most, many of you are, are involved with or have experienced yourself. Uh, it was an arbitrary number, something that that leader would like to see. They sort of pulled it out of thin air. It had no data because this, this website um, didn't exist yet. It was an idea. It was a gap in the market that they saw an opportunity to go after, and they slapped these numbers onto it. Now, this job, uh, this task, was given to a, a marketing manager. And the marketing manager is who I dealt with directly. And we spent uh, the better portion of a year, 12 months, trying to figure out how to make this happen. Now, I was not part of this company. I was a affiliated party, a consultant, if you will, and and helping to try to structure this. And myself and my team did all the research necessary, the industry research, the product research, uh, the brand research, uh, all of the math, all of the calculations, all of the KPI projections, things like that, to get the numbers as close as they could be to the $2 million investment, $10 million in revenue. And we had a well-thought-out, detailed plan. Well, the plan was done in the matter of a month or two. And from there, the marketing uh, uh, person who was in charge with this really then took that, what we provided to them, and dissected it, overanalyzed it, analyzed it. And then we, you know, I believe that they overanalyzed it. And then overanalyzed it so much that they actually went in and changed a lot of the information. And they changed it to try to make it just look a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, show just a little bit more ROI. Then the decision was made that we should show even more ROI uh, 
in, in case we don't achieve the ROI, we can achieve the, the desired ROI. So now the ROI was bumped up to 10, a 10x ROI or a thousand percent. So then the plan was changed and, and got ready to present that plan, even though we didn't really like it. That wasn't a good idea to, to project that amount of ROI. And then the marketing leader got cold feet again and went back and they said, you know what, maybe we should go back to the original ROI. So then we went back to the original ROI and then they got really ready to present it. And right before they presented it, they got gold feet again. They overanalyzed it and they went through and said, is this number right? Is this number right? I don't think this number's right. Fast forward to a year and they still had not presented it because they were, the, the, the analyzation, paralyzation kicked in and there was so much attention by this person and their team and a portion of my team put into this that the presentation was never made. It, the, the, the team was paralyzed. And the focus, the whole paralyze, par, the, the, the thing that paralyzed them was that focus on ROI. Can we pitch, can we present the correct ROI enough that we can actually make it happen over the course of that time frame? we felt very confident in doing it because any decent marketing leader knows that you can't concrete without a doubt project an ROI for something that isn't even created yet. That's not how it works. But this particular person didn't know that or they, they had so much fear in presenting it to upper management that they wouldn't be able to get it perfectly right that it never happened. Well, then 12 months down the road, they finally presented it, finally presented it to leadership of that subsidiary and uh, 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 middle management of the parent company, the public company. And by that time, all the excitement out of this project was gone. In fact, it was gone probably six months prior and uh, they had moved on. So finally, when this person presented the entire project, the entire plan, exactly how it was going to happen, one year, two year, three years, four years, five years down the road, the roadmap, everything that was going to happen, he presented the entire thing and uh, leadership said, you know what? We've actually pivoted now. We're actually going to overhaul this whole department. We've got all these structural changes going to happen in many different departments from IT to marketing. Um, we don't have time to do this right now. This is going to be pushed way back. So a year's worth of effort was gone because of analyzation, paralyzation. So the lesson I want you to take from this, and I, I assume that many of you have been through this if you are in the corporate space because decisions happen on many levels of management. Sometimes it's frustrating. But the tip I want you to take away from this is that return on investment is important for every business, but it's not something that you can always plan. And this is where general understanding of culture, consumerism, and what moves people to take action becomes important. And it becomes important for the leaders to understand this because the leaders are the ones that are approving things. And if a leader can't understand that given a good direction of culture and consumerism related to your product or service, and having a general idea of what you're going to put out into the market and then test, test, test and pivot, pivot, pivot. If they don't have that understanding, then there's no way that something will be approved uh, that is guaranteed 
or there's no way that something that is approved will happen exactly as it's planned. My favorite quote in the world is that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's the case when trying to plan ROI. But that being said, I'd like to talk to you about a lot of the ways that we at Good Monster or my other companies approach trying to generate ROI. And there are a lot of important steps that you need to take when trying to generate ROI. So let's dive into it. So first, what is ROI? Return on investment. It's quite simply the revenue generated from a particular campaign. It can be a positive ROI, it can be a break-even ROI, or it can be a negative ROI. It's whatever comes back from that effort that you just put in, in terms of revenue, right? So for example, if you put $100,000 into a campaign and it brings you $100,000 back, right? That's a one-times ROI or 100%. You recouped 100% of your revenue. If you bring back $200,000, that's a 2x return on investment or a 200%, right? So on and so forth. So when looking at a marketing campaign or an annual marketing plan, you want to try to figure out how much ROI are we going to get from this? It's not always easy. In fact, if you're doing brand building activities, it's relatively hard to uh, not only project, but even measure return on investment because some things are very long tail. Some things might not pay off for months. SEO is one of those things. You might spend 10 grand a month on an SEO agency, but you're not going to start generating real meaningful revenue from the organic search results that your company's ranking for, for another six to nine to 12 months. So that's different than, for instance, paid media. With paid media, you pay to run an ad, and if the creative is good and it connects with your customers, it might generate a two, three, four, five, 10x return on investment right there. And certain ads in that campaign might, re might result in a 15x return on investment, while other ads might have a negative return on investment. So this is why it's so important to measure everything that we do. But before we get into measuring it, let's talk about some of the common goals in digital marketing specifically that uh, companies should be looking at uh, in relation to return on investment. So companies might be looking to measure things like increased website traffic, uh, increased revenue on your website, increased revenue across different marketplaces like Amazon or Walmart. Uh, increased leads generated from campaigns. So this might be people that sign up for your email list. It might be uh, potential customers that visit your website, but they haven't made a purchase yet. Uh, uh, the, the, you might be measuring social media followers or total audience. So there's a lot of different things that you can measure uh, as, as goals. But those goals often are large and have many different KPIs or key performance indicators as part of the milestones or the stepping stones that get you to that goal. So for instance, if you have a goal to get 10,000 people visiting your website every month on average, and you're going to use three-month rolling averages to measure it, well, there's different KPIs that you might measure in order to make sure you're increasing your traffic. One of them might be bounce rate. So bounce rate is the rate that people visit a landing a page on your website and then quickly bounce off of it. High bounce rates are not good. It means people aren't they don't find value in your the, that particular page or they might not even get to it if it's a really slow website. So you might want to measure bounce rate. If your bounce rate is too high, 
you're not going to get that, that traffic is not going to be meaningful and people probably won't be coming back. That leads to another KPI, returning visitors. Okay. So there's new visitors and there's returning visitors. Returning visitors is good. It means people are coming back to the website for some reason, whether it's reading more blog posts or looking at new products, right? So these are a couple of KPIs, key performance indicators that can uh, lead to increased in web traffic. And then there's many other KPIs as well, as, as well, things like average page views. So if the average page view is one, that means people are looking at one page on your website before they leave. If it's like three, four or five, that means they're viewing three, four, five different web pages before they leave. That's good. That means they're looking for something or they're engaged on the website. Time on the website, time on site. That's another KPI that you can measure. If people are going there and they're spending a minute and a half on average on the website, okay, good. They're doing something for a minute and a half. If they're spending four minutes there, this is amazing. It means they're reading something or watching videos or researching something on your website. If the average time on site is like 30 seconds, that's not good. That means there's no value for them to stay. So bounce rate, returning customer rate, uh, time on site, these are all good KPIs to measure if your goal is to increase web traffic. Now, you could increase web traffic with paid media. You could do these things. But if you don't have these KPIs that are showing you that your website is value valuable, that traffic isn't going to result in an ROI. If you're just looking at website traffic, but your bounce rate is high, your returning customer rate is low, your time on site is low, that means you're probably not going to generate an actual ROI, a return on investment from that website traffic. So that's just an example. Like I said, there's other goals that you could have. Every company, especially if you're an e-commerce company's goal is ultimately to generate revenue, but some of these other goals might get you to that revenue. Another example might be social media following. So uh, it started out that following, when social media was really growing, followers was the thing that every brand wanted. How many followers can we get? And then brands started buying them. And then brands started realizing that we just spent $1,000 for uh, you know, 100,000 followers, but they're not real followers. And so they don't actually bring any ROI. So in today's day and age, or our clients, when we work with our clients on growing a social media audience, it needs to be a meaningful, authentic, engaged audience. So a, a, a client of ours might have 100,000 followers, but if their engagement rate is in the dirt, then that's not valuable. We can't really use that 100,000 followers uh, as a valuable ROI potential. So we sort of need to start from scratch and then grow the 100,000 to 200,000 and make sure that at least 100,000 of those followers are engaged people, right? So when we establish a goal, then we want to move into KPIs. I already mentioned some of the KPIs in my previous example, but the KPIs that are common for digital marketing are things like um, traffic, as I mentioned, cost per lead, how much money are you spending to get a lead, to get somebody signed up for an email list or, uh, or, or to actually convert them as a customer? What's your conversion rate? How many people are visiting your website versus how many people are purchasing your project, product? Uh, actual revenue. That's a good KPI to have if you're selling things on, a, on Amazon or your website or even in social commerce platforms like Facebook and Instagram. Then we have things like search rank. So search ranking is how high do you rank for a particular keyword? And if you rank on the first page of Google, 
then you're probably going to generate a really great amount of return on investment or ROI from that high search ranking because organic search ranks typically bring a really great uh, uh, amount of revenue to your website and traffic to your website, right? Social media engagement, so things like likes and comments and shares, those are all important if they are authentic and real. Uh, customer lifetime value is another KPI that's really important for long-term growth and long-term brands and long-term customer engagement. Your customer lifetime value is for one of your customers on average, what is the total amount that they are going to spend with your business? So for a company like Netflix, customer lifetime value, I have no idea what it is, but let's say it's $12 a month for Netflix and the average Netflix subscriber stays subscribed for three years, multiply $12 a month times 12 months times three years, and that's a customer lifetime value for a Netflix subscriber. Whereas a product company where you buy a product and you, you only need a new one every 10 years, like a grill maybe, a customer lifetime value for a grill, if they're buying just the grill, probably going to be whatever the cost of that grill is. They're going to buy it one time unless they're a raving fan. So customer lifetime value for a grill company is going to be much lower probably than it is for Netflix unless it's a really, really expensive grill. Now, a way, a little tip here, a side tip is a, a brand that sells one particular product like a grill, the way they really generate profits and revenue, additional revenue and upsell, upsells um, and cross-sells is to sell accessories. Grill covers, spatulas, tongs, you know, grill brushes, things like that, right? So these are some examples of KPIs. And if you want an exhaustive list, you can head over to my blog, jtimmerman.com. And I wrote a, a extensive tutorial and blog post on uh, uh, ROI, and I list uh, a lot more KPIs over there. So let's talk about my top tips for increasing your ROI. Well, the first thing is, as I mentioned before, you need to establish goals. You can't, you can't unless you're a really big business, a real like a public company, huge marketing department. It's going to be really hard for you to set goals for every single platform, for every single channel, and expect to do everything really well all at the same time. You're going to need an incredible amount of people. You're going to need probably several agencies and or, and or freelancers to be deploying all this work at a high level. And you need a team of people measuring everything all at the same time. So my suggestion for most of you out there, small to medium-sized companies, or even some larger companies that don't have full-on marketing departments, is to pick your top one to three goals. Your first goal is going to be revenue, right? So if you're if you're not a a service based company that is doing custom quotes or something like that, even if you are, actually, you can generate revenue or potential revenue through your sales pipeline. But if you're if your company's selling a product online, your first goal is going to be revenue. So revenue generated from a particular campaign or from a particular marketing plan. Okay. Second goal might be to increase our search ranking because you know a lot of other things are going to come from an increased search rank for your top keywords, organic traffic, authority, because you rank higher than some of your competitors. Those things are really great, right? And then another, a third one might be social media engagement. So social media engagement, not followers, not audience size, but social media engagement means that you have people who really authentically love your brand, the stuff you're talking about, possibly your products, or at least the industry that you're in. 
And again, that will lead to improving your brand. So now you have one goal that's fo focused on revenue and ROI. You have one goal that's focused on more authority and discoverability, which is search ranking. And you have one goal that's based on building a brand, making people feel good about your product. So that's a good place to start is setting uh, realistic goals. Okay, next tip is to focus on quality instead of quantity. However, there's a little asterisk here. If you're just starting out with your content plan, you actually wanna focus on quantity, not quality, because you don't have anything to measure yet. So focus on putting out as much content as possible, focus on uh, uh, you know, doing as uh, much good work on your website as possible, focus on getting your products listed on Amazon, focus on quantity and speed. Once you have the ball rolling, once you have a lot of content going out, once you have a lot of emails going out, once you have a lot of products on Amazon, once you have a, your website set up and everything going, then you can start to switch over to quality. And so now you wanna measure quality of the content and the brand building exercises or the revenue generating exercises that you're doing or the number of ads that you're putting out. You can start to measure the quality. So because you've put out so much quantity, you can now measure the top 10% uh, or 20% of uh, revenue drivers or brand builders and start to reinvest the other 80% that's not doing well into that 20%. It's the 80-20 rule, right? So focus on, once you get up and started, start to shift from quantity to quality so that you can ensure to maximize, again, the brand building efforts or the ROI uh, producing efforts. The next tip I have is to experiment with many different platforms and channels. So this one's a topic for discussion, for sure. Smaller brands typically don't have the resources to go on every single channel and every single platform. It's a lot of work and quite frankly, hundreds of thousands of dollars either in internal teams or agency teams to be able to be on Snapchat, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, whatever I missed on that one. <laughs> Those are social media only. Then there's email marketing, search engine optimization. So Google, then your website, right? The list goes on and on and on. Then there's PR, getting yourself positioned in the media. Being able to handle all of that is a huge, huge, huge task. So that being said, with small businesses, I encourage you to pick your top, pick a number, small number, I don't know, five channels, right? And experiment with those five channels. Do it for six months because it's only going to be valuable education. So you might pick, let's, let's take a, um, what's something interesting? Let's take a snack company. All right, very competitive space. But snacks, you know, like non-perishable or, you know, long-term perishable, something in a bag that lasts on the shelf. You can order online, um, you know, something like chips. So a chip company who's just starting, they have unique flavors and really healthy and eco-friendly bags and, and uh, you know, good for you, good or healthier for you. It's good, hard to find a good for you chip, but a healthier for you chip just launched and they're trying to figure out where do we go? Well, if you're launching today in mid-April 2022, you got to look at the most popular platforms. If you're a chip company, chances are you're going to win over a newer audience, a younger audience, because an older audience, they already know what they like, and trying something new is only reserved for probably a small segment of that population. So if you're targeting somebody new, you need to look at TikTok as a social media platform. You also need to understand that the younger demographic is probably not super pumped about signing up for new email uh, lists 
but they would sign up for a text list. So you might want to test text marketing. Okay, they can get a discount if they sign up for your text line. So now you have TikTok and you have text. Snapchat is another area that uh, could be valuable if you put out good content. It's not a good place to promote your products organically. You can run Snapchat ads, but Snapchat might be a good place if you plan on creating recipes with your chips and things like that. So now we have TikTok, we have Snapchat, uh, and you have uh, text. The other place I would want to focus, the two other places would be uh, uh, PR, uh, digital PR. So getting on the top 10 healthy snacks of 2022 lists all over the internet, um, and then hopefully also the correlating social media channels with those media companies. Um, and uh, so what do I have here? TikTok, Snapchat, text, uh, PR, uh, and then YouTube. YouTube would be another one because you can do recipe stuff and food stuff and tap into influencers on YouTube for more long-form content. So those are the areas that I would really focus on. Now, you could argue email because email is a great revenue-generating um, uh, channel for e-commerce brands. But if you're targeting a younger demographic, I would start there. And then set up basic stuff like an email that goes out when customers purchase something, a welcome email, things like that. Transactional emails, they're called. So start there and experiment with content. TikTok content is going to be different than uh, Snapchat content. And Snapchat content is going to be different than YouTube content. And even if you can't afford to do different content, individual content for each of the platforms, people interact with these platforms different. TikTok uh, videos can be duetted. So people, you can put out a recipe video and then somebody could duet that video. Try, duet means it's side by side for those of you who don't know TikTok. Um, they could do a duet where they're doing the recipe alongside you or your brand. Whereas on YouTube, you don't do d duets. The, YouTube is mostly a consumption, like it's a how-to and entertainment and consumption platform. Uh, uh, not everyone is putting out content on YouTube. Most people are consuming content. Whereas on TikTok, people are consuming, but they're also putting out content. So each platform is different. Experiment with them and start to figure out which ones are growing my brand, which ones are growing my audience more, and which ones are actually generating revenue. Go into Google Analytics and see where people are clicking over from and make educated decisions based on that. It's important to realize that there's no perfect platform. I'd like to give you a few examples. There's a watch company, actually I'm wearing the watch right now, MVMT. MVMT started in the, I don't know, early 2010s maybe. And they, uh, they were a watch company. They made a watch that looked like it was a really expensive Rolex, Rolex citizen type watch, but it was for a hundred bucks, give or take, right? So very affordable, but had the same sort of allure and look and, and high-end uh, look that, that uh, Rolex or, or Citizen had. And they launched e-commerce only. And they realized and got some good advice, I believe from uh, Damon John, the shark uh, on Shark Tank, to stay e-commerce, right? Because they could maximize their margins there without increasing their price point too much. And so what did they do? They knew that the millennial generation was all over Instagram. And so what they did is they just started partnering with Instagram influencers and went all in on that and grew a brand into a $90 million revenue company that eventually got bought for $300 million by Movado, all starting with Instagram influencers. The same can be said for Gymshark, another 
social media darling of a company that grew with influencers on YouTube and, and Instagram. Uh, I don't know what the revenue is, but I think it was valued at like a billion dollars now. They grew on these platforms and it worked for them. Then you go over and you look at big brands like Oreo that uh, is is now famous for the dunk in the dark uh, little post that they did during Super Bowl 47 almost 10 years ago where the lights went out during the Super Bowl and their social media team quickly acted and put out a tweet that says, you can still dunk in the dark. And everyone that was watching the Super Bowl saw that because people on this watching the Super Bowl were living on Twitter at the time. And they saw that and it, it, it brought great brand awareness to Oreo. If that was done today, that maybe still would go on Twitter actually because Twitter is a news and sports and entertainment haven for conversation over there. So actually it might still go on, on Twitter, but it could very easily go on Instagram or TikTok as well. So platforms change, trends change, but you have to experiment with what's best for you at that particular time. And once you find that sweet spot, go all in until you need to change. Okay, so let's talk about how to use the data once you measure it. How do you measure how do you use the KPI information to try to maximize your return on investment? Because if you're putting in money hiring an SEO company, you're putting in money running ads on social media platforms, you're putting in money to have creative done for your emails and your website and your social media company, how do you measure the ROI that's coming back from that? Well, here are a few different ways. If you Know how much traffic is coming to your website. You know where it's coming from. What do you do with that information? Well, now you're armed with information about what web pages do they like and what products do they like. So if you're getting a massive amount of traffic from one source to one product page, you know that that one source, maybe it's a blog post, maybe it's a review site, is working really well to drive traffic to this one product. But that's not good because you have one sort of flagship or, or North Star product that's doing well while the other ones maybe aren't doing as well. But you can now use that data to replicate that campaign. Maybe go onto another review site and present a different product that you think is going to be very valuable and hopefully you can duplicate those results. Maybe that review site will drive in a huge amount of traffic to the second product and rinse and repeat until you've maximized that strategy, right? So that's one way you can start to use KPIs particularly traffic KPIs, to start to generate more revenue and hopefully uh, a higher return on your investment. On the flip side, you can measure website traffic changes that occur based on campaigns that you launch. So if you just launched a massive campaign and your website traffic doesn't change much, a few different things have happened. A, either you've not directed people to your website or B, maybe your channel to your website's not optimized to people getting there easily. Instead, they're getting frustrated, they can't find you, and they're going over and buying your product on Amazon. So if your website traffic doesn't change, but your Amazon revenue goes way up, you know the campaign's working, but it's not directing them to your website. And then you make the decision, do we want to try to redirect them or keep going on Amazon? Another way that you can use your data is to measure the ROI from different channels. So different channels are going to have different ROI. Um, I don't know that averages off the top of my head uh, because they change all the time, but I do know that email marketing is one of the top ROI uh, places that you can go uh, or get you know revenue from. Uh, that was a weird, I said that really weird. Email marketing generates a higher revenue re return on investment than just about every other channel. 
but that doesn't mean it's going to be the source of the greatest source of your revenue, right? Uh, email marketing, it, it's a good place to convert customers because it's either currently filled with previous customers or they're people that have signed up and are already considering buying from you. And at that particular time, they just happen to be in a good place to make the purchase. So email marketing has an incredible return on investment. I think the average is like 4,300%, which is, which is really, really high. Uh, But then some channels like social media have a much lower return on investment, at least initial return on investment. And that's because social media is much more of a brand building platform. Yes, there's social commerce. Yes, it's coming, but it's not really here yet. It's not super widely adopted that people search for products on Instagram and then make purchases right through Instagram. It works a little bit more like people go on Instagram, they're being entertained, they're looking for information, they're getting news, they happen to see a product that they like, they save it, they remember it later, they go over on Amazon, they try to buy it on Amazon. That's kind of how it works in today's day and age, right? So you're building a brand on social media, but you're actually getting your ROI from platforms like your website, Amazon, email marketing, possibly pay-per-click advertising and social media advertising, you know, that's where it is. But regardless, you need to make sure that you're looking at the different ROI across all of your channels and make the decision of, is this a good investment to generate revenue? Or is it a good investment to generate brand value? Or is it just not a good investment at all? And if it's not a good investment at all, meaning you're not getting brand lift and you're not getting revenue, then you need to look as, is it not a good fit for our brand or are we not doing it right? Another way you can use data specifically for online ads, and this is one that just about any agency or brand is already doing, but I figured I had to throw it in here, is to make sure you're constantly analyzing your ad spend, your ad allocation, uh, what model you're using. Are you trying to uh, use a model where you're, growing your brand first, you're engaging somebody, and then you're trying to funnel them in with a series of follow-up ads to generate revenue and return on investment. But you need to measure uh, the same thing you're measuring across different channels, across your different ad sets. So whether you're marketing or, or advertising on Facebook and Instagram, or you're advertising on Google, look at your total ad campaigns, your ad sets and the individual ads, and make educated decisions on where to allocate your spend based on your goal of building a brand or top of funnel, or generated revenue, and bottom of funnel. Another tip is to evaluate the success of social media campaigns. So if you're a brand big enough to where you're planning out your campaigns, you may be doing a campaign on a new product launch, you may be doing a campaign for like Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and you need to measure your different campaigns because they're probably going to be a little bit different than just your baseline social media activity. If you're putting more effort into running a campaign, you should see an ROI on that particular thing that you're running the campaign on, right? But it's important to remember, social media is big. There's paid social media and there's organic social media. And uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. It's 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 near, hold on, I'm gonna read it here because I don't remember his last name. Ayel, um, he wrote the book, Hooked, How to Build uh, Habit-Forming Products. Um, good book, I'm actually taking a little mini course from him on a website called section4.com. It's pretty cool. But he said that, um, um, I'm going to read the, qu- the quote here. Uh, he said that businesses can buy growth with ads, but they can't buy engagement. Uh, now, 
technically this isn't true, but conceptually, here's why this is so valuable. Any company can run ads and probably get some growth, right? But is that growth sustainable because you're always paying for it? Probably not. You're going to run out of money. You're going to run out of investment. Or at some point, there's going to be a, an inflection where you want to increase your profit margins to try to get more progress, right? You can't just advertise your way into a billion-dollar company. And if you are planning on selling your company, then whoever's buying you is going to look at the insane amount of money you're spending to get customers, and they're going to be like, wait a minute, this isn't sustainable. In fact, that's why a lot of e-commerce companies either aren't profitable or, or struggle to really increase their margins. So instead, you want to invest in engagement. You want to have an engaging product that people talk about, share with their friends. You want to have engaging content that people actually like. It's not advertisements. It's, it's engaging content. It builds authority. It builds trust. Uh, it gets you reviews. It gets you returning customers. So it's important to remember that when you're utilizing social media, you, your goal should be engagement. Okay, You can have a micro goal of sales, but your goal should be engagement. And so you want to test the different platforms and the different types of content that you're putting out there to make sure that you are maximizing your positive engagement with your audience. Because engagement leads to brand building and brand building leads to big brands and big brands make a boatload of revenue. Okay, and the last thing that you can do with all of this data is to leverage all of the information into creating content that is shareable. Because in the marketing world, in the brand building world, which you all know that I'm very bullish on, building a brand versus the growth hacking and things, it has its place. But building a brand is better than anything else because people will go find you wherever you are if they love your brand. But the key to growing a brand is to making it shareable. Shareable from word of mouth, shareable from people buying somebody a gift of your product because it's so amazing, shareable in the content that you're creating is shareable, they actually share it. They direct message it on Instagram to their friends because it's entertaining or funny or informational. They do, they share it via email link to their coworkers because it's valuable. They share it on Facebook because they get to feel like they're participating in something that they, they feel is valuable. So the shareability of a product or a piece of content is directly related to the ability to grow a brand in that particular frame of time. I'll give you an example. Dollar Shave Club was relatively unknown prior to them launching their infamous YouTube video. Okay, our blades are fucking great. I think was the name of the video, <laughs> the video. And it was it was something that hadn't been done at that time. A video, a funny sort of skit video about a particular product uh, done by the brand hadn't been done. Now it's now it's done a bunch of times. Purple Mattress did it. Poopery did it. There's actual agencies out there that create these style videos for brands. But at the time, Dollar Shave Club was the first to really launch a video like this. And they launched it on YouTube, which was a growing, emerging platform, uh, a social media and search platform, right? And this video got shared everywhere, everywhere, H hundreds or thousands of media outlets from the biggest ones like, you know, the uh, NBC and CNN and, and TechCrunch and, and all these other websites, by the way, I'm, that's, I'm not hundred percent sure on those. I'm just listing some big ones 
to put my point across that this was shared by big media outlets. It would sh- it was shared by personal bloggers and marketing bloggers. It was shared on social media. It was reshared on other people's YouTube accounts. It was shared everywhere because it was so new, so funny, and it literally launched the brand of Dollar Shave Club. That was the moment that Dollar Shave Club became a billion-dollar company. They just didn't know it yet. And when they were purchased by Unilever, I think, purchased them, uh, when they were purchased, they were purchased for a billion dollars, not because the product, the razors, were exceptional. It's because the brand was exceptional. And they were able to leverage that early success, and they kept building the brand, and they kept reinvesting, and they kept growing to the point where then they sold the company, right? Um, And that was an example of how uh, creating shareability was the launching point of that brand. And then they pivoted and changed to be able to sustain that growth all the way through to the purchase. All right, everybody, that's it. Thanks for watching. I hope you find this valuable because ROI is a conversation that happens in every department across every company uh, at some point or another, right? Is the work that we're doing and investing going to pay us back at some point? You know, companies even measure uh, revenue per employee. Um, That's a common thing in the service business, right? So when you pay an employee a salary, how much revenue uh, is that employee bringing back in on, on average? ROI is something you need to maintain. But as I said, Everything doesn't have to generate an ROI, particularly in marketing when it's growing your brand. So you really just need to sit down. You need to map out what are our specific goals. Number one, revenue. Number two, uh, ranking high on Google. And number three, uh, increasing social media engagement. And then focus your efforts on producing uh, positive KPIs for those particular goals. Rinse and repeat and pivot until you start to notice a good return on investment and then go double down on those things that are producing a solid ROI, change the the things that aren't, and then continue to do so. If you keep doing that, you will win. Thanks again for watching. Uh, If you love this content, as always, subscribe. I feel every single YouTuber says subscribe to my channel. So it's a given. Subscribe if you like it. If you don't, I don't know. Watch the next video. Maybe you'll like that one. Peace, everybody.